Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Good Sunday evening, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Rocky Top Rewind. I am Brent Hubbs. Glad to have you along with us. A Merry Christmas out there to everybody. Just a programming note. We're obviously not going to do a show next week because it is Christmas, but uh, you can look for us on New Year's night uh, following Tennessee's bowl game against Clemson. We will, uh, of course, the game is on the 30th, but we will do a show kind of wrapping up bowl season, talking about some of the bowl things coming up there. But we got plenty to get to on this edition of the Rocky Top Rewind. Uh, We want to wish a um, congratulations to Eric Kane, who's not with us tonight. Eric uh, got married yesterday, so congratulations to Eric. He will be back at it here in a few days. Um, But um, in the meantime, you're stuck with me, but we've got plenty to talk about on this uh, program tonight. Would love to hear from you. Jump on in there in the comments section if you want to. Ask a question away. Anything you want to ask, we'll jump right in and answer that. Grant Ramey is going to join us here um, in about eight or or ten minutes to talk about Tennessee and their basketball loss to Arizona and uh, a 75-70 loss to the Wildcats. Just a really good basketball game. We'll talk a lot about uh, Rick Barnes' comments afterwards about Euros, his comments about the officiating, and kind of where Grant thinks this basketball team is right now as uh, they start to really turn their attention towards the, the conference schedule and and what's ahead for, for this basketball team. Um, certainly, we're going to talk plenty of recruiting. Austin Price will be on at the bottom of the hour, and he'll take us through uh, the rest of the way. He and I are going to talk plenty about uh, recruiting, and uh, we'll talk plenty about the early enrollees who are in town and, and everything else. So uh, we've got lots and lots to get to. So jump on in here and join us tonight. We'll, again, uh, dive into your questions here. Brad's already jumped on with us. Brad, we appreciate you watching tonight. And, um Brad's asking about uh, any portal activity for Tennessee next week. Um, That's going to be an interesting uh, one. That's a good question because Tennessee had the two offensive linemen in this weekend, and um, they they appear like both of them want to make a decision quickly. Um, I think you could see a decision uh, out of uh, both of them, the kid from uh, Rhode Island, the kid from Texas as well. Uh, coming up, uh, you know, this, this week, pre-Christmas, um, I asked specifically the kid from Texas if he wanted to do um, something before Christmas, and, and he wouldn't pin himself down, but it certainly felt like it. He said he wanted to get the decision done as quickly as possible. He went on a visit straight from Tennessee to another school. I believe it was Central Florida is where he has visited, uh, it, where he left Knoxville from to go take a visit. So um, that takes him to four visits. He could, you know, maybe he could have snuck in another one, uh, but probably not, probably just the four visits for him. But then we'll see where he's at in the decision-making process. The kid from o- Rhode Island left Tennessee on Saturday and went to Ohio State um, and, and spent time at Ohio State. And then I think he will potentially near a decision there as well, although he could come back and take something in January. So we'll see what happens with both of those guys. Um, 
I don't know where they are with the Rhode Island kid. I'm, I'm going to talk to – we'll talk to Grant more about him because he visited with him as he finished up his visit. My conversation with the, t- the young man from Texas um, was – he just didn't want to talk about his um, – he just didn't want to talk about the recruiting process. And, that, and that's what makes uh, the transfer portal such an interesting thing because a lot of these guys have already been through the visit process and um, – been through the recruiting process and they don't really want to go through it a second time. Right. And they're not interested in, and jumping back through it from a standpoint of they're not interested in publicly talking about it. And and that was the case here. He just wanted to go through and and look for a school and then pick a school to go from there. No desire to go back through the process publicly again. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with him moving forward. Those are the two guys that they've had in, um, this this past week, obviously, as you see there, they've got um, uh, the Castles kid at tight end to answer that need, and then they've got Charles Campbell, the place kicker from Indiana, to answer that need. Um, you know, uh, Sig twenty six uh, twenty two six Y uh, wanted to know about secondary help. Wouldn't rule secondary help out. I don't think there's anything happening this week. I, I think it would be sometime in January before that gets there. Um, we also got a question there about what happened to Sylvester Smith. And if you haven't uh, seen over the weekend, Sylvester Smith took a surprise visit to Auburn, decommitted from Tennessee, and is going to head to Auburn. What happened there simply is a home school. And uh, Austin has talked about that repeatedly. Um, when, when a hire was made at Auburn, that was the one guy, him and Ricky Gibson, but really Sylvester Smith because he's um, right there attached to the state. You wondered if Auburn would turn up the heat. They really didn't here until the end. And uh, they had spots and cranked up the heat. And uh, he's, you know, going to stay in state and got talked into staying in state. So uh, that's basically what happened to Sylvester Smith. I don't think Tennessee can do anything to replace him at this point with the dead period kicking in. I don't, I mean, the Tyler Scott kid from down um, in Georgia that Tennessee, uh, from Pebble Brook, that Tennessee had recruited some, but hadn't really recruited hard the last few weeks. Um, he was at Texas this weekend. He was not doing two visits. He was not going to take a surprise visit to Tennessee late. Um, so I, I think Tennessee may go safety help in the portal, or if there's a high school kid or a JUCO kid that they find in January that they like for the late period, they could go there. They're pretty deep at the safety spot in terms of numbers, not saying they're great at the safety spot, but in terms of numbers, they're pretty deep there. I, I think Christian Charles ultimately ends up back at safety, which is a more natural position to him. That would add a little depth there. We know Danico Slaughter can go safety or corner uh, or nickel. He can play any of those spots if he wants to. And so right now he would be a corner. But what does Jordan Matthews look like? What do these freshmen look like? And, yes, I know the question, will Tennessee actually play those freshmen on the corner? Now, that's a great that's a great question. We'll, we'll find out what they look like in spring and kind of where they are. Um, so that's kind of what's going on with, with that. Um, boasted 931, I see your question about officiating. I'm going to talk to Grant more about that. Um, there was obviously some some tough calls in that game, particularly late, um, and, and particularly the play that bothered Rick Barnes. The uh, Vescovy got fouled, it appeared, and then Key got knocked to the floor there. I guess they called that a loose ball, but that was a tough call uh, for that to be a no call there um, late in that game. Um, obviously, there was a huge discrepancy in terms of um, number of free throws taken and number of fouls called. Tennessee was pretty handsy. You know, three charges um, that Tennessee could have avoided at least a couple of those, I thought. Um, but it was not – I, I did not think it was a well-officiated game. Um, but I, that's, you know, not to take anything away from 
um, anything away from from what Tennessee uh, accomplished or what Arizona accomplished and what they did. But for for Tennessee, um, that was a tough one. And uh, again, we're going to catch up with Grant Ramey for just a quick minute or two to talk about kind of where Tennessee's at. Obviously, they need you know Josiah Jordan James to get well. I don't know when that's going to happen. The bigger thing for me when I look at this basketball team right now is, is they need Vescovi, uh, or Vescovi to, to get well. Uh, he's not shooting the ball particularly well, hasn't since he banged up that shoulder. You look at his line last night, he was 2 of 12, 1 of 6 from the three-point arc, just the four free throws, two rebounds. He did have five assists, only one turnover, scored nine points. But they need a guy that can go get them a bucket. They got to get Key going a little bit more too. He was just 3 of 10, just 2 of 7 from the three-point line. Um, they've got to have those guys play better than what they played last night. Uh, T ha- key had a tough night last night. It's really unfortunate because Tennessee got a really good night from Zakai Ziegler. Come played well last night also. Um, and then, you know, the freshman Julian Phillips played like a freshman last night. And I, I thought my Meshack, I thought the moment looked a little big for him as well. We're going to talk to Grant about that here in just a minute. We'll do a quick break. We'll get set up with Grant. We're going to continue to take your questions. So go ahead and line them up. And uh, get them in here. And again, Austin Price joined me at the bottom of the hour, where we'll talk a ton of Tennessee football um, and and talk more about those newcomers that are in. And keep those questions coming because I'm going to get to as many of those. I know we have a lot of guests on the show, and oftentimes we don't get to them. So this may feel like an old uh, sports talk edition of Open Phones tonight because we're going to get to as many of those questions as you want to talk. You guys want to dive into tonight? So. Jump on in there. We'll answer um, as many of them as we can get through. So go ahead and line those questions up. And when we come back on the other side of this quick break, uh, hopefully we'll catch up with Grant Ramey uh, to talk a little bit about Tennessee's, a little bit more about Tennessee's loss to Arizona. And then we will catch up uh, with Austin Price to dive into plenty of football talk here on the back half of the show as you watch the Rocky Top Rewind. Welcome back into the Rocky Top Rewind. Glad to have you on this Sunday night. Plenty to get to. As I promised you, we're going to bring in Grant Ramey here uh, for just a quick couple of minutes to talk about Tennessee's loss to Arizona and kind of a little more big picture about the Vols as they start to turn their attention towards conference play. Tennessee loses to Arizona 75-70. Grant, what's your takeaway from Tennessee's loss? I mean, the main takeaway, it's hard to win on the road in college basketball. I mean, you go back to that Arizona game. Right, that's a really good basketball team. But you go back to that Arizona game a year ago at Thompson Bowling Arena, John Fulkerson drew 13 fouls on his own. Tennessee had, you know, 28 fouls drawn, I think committed 16. It's just tough to win. And then you saw basically a kind of a carbon copy just the other way at Arizona where Arizona – Get to the home whistle. I mean, it's that's the number one offense in college basketball for a really good reason. They're great in the post. They're great on the perimeter. Uh, they're great in just about everything they do. Uh, and Tennessee played really well in the first half. Uh, when they got down 10, I thought with seven minutes left, I think that's it. That's over. Uh, get out of there. Most teams, I think, roll over in that moment. But for them to come back and get it down to one a couple different times, I thought that was really impressive. Um, other than just being a tough loss in a tough environment on the road, I think a takeaway is Santiago Vescovi's not doing that much right now. He's not hitting shots. You still don't have Josiah. Uh, Julian Phillips seems to kind of be struggling right now, hitting a little bit of a freshman wall, maybe just trying to do a little bit too much, and it's taking a lot of stuff away from him. So they don't have a lot of key components that are playing well right now, but they still play a brand of defense that is, is, is can be so elite that – 
Uh, if Sakai Ziegler can score like he did, if Olivier can give you something like he did at Arizona, then you can be in line to win one of those games, even though your best players aren't playing their best. Yeah, that's the interesting thing. I mean, Tennessee had that as a one-possession game for the basically the last five minutes, four minutes of the game, and had a chance there, even though Santi didn't play, you know, didn't shoot the ball well. Key's not scoring. I think he's having a little harder time scoring than some of us maybe thought he would with, with the way he started. Uh, what do you see out of this? Uh, this is a different offense to, to me because they don't have a guy who can just go get a basket. How, how does Rick, do they become more of a set oriented team late in the shot clock? Grant, what do they do to try to compensate from the fact that maybe they don't have quote, the go-to guy that Kennedy became with, you know, the penetration and kick for the threes and that kind of stuff. How do they right. compensate for that? I mean, you, you better either find that guy and develop him um, or you better start doing something differently on offense to to work around that. Now, they have they have changed a little bit where at the first of the season, they were just shooting a ton of threes. And, and that's what Rick said. We're just going to keep shooting it regardless if we make them or miss them. That's just what we're going to do. And then it changed to, well, we want to play inside out and get those paint touches and then kick out the three uh, if we can't score off of those paint touches. So I think they're trying to go more inside out right now to, to kind of I don't know, work around the fact that they don't have that guy that's just going to go get you that bucket. I think you need Santi to be that guy that can make that shot for you. He's not shooting it very well right now. I don't know if that shoulder sprain is still bothering him, if he's completely healthy, what's going on there. But they need him to be that guy. I think Zakai has got to take a little bit more uh, offensive leadership like he did last night at Arizona. I think if he can play like that uh, a little bit more consistently, that gives you something to work with. Um, Julian Phillips has got to be that guy that gets to the free throw line. Tennessee got there, I think, 25 times on average going into that Arizona game last night, and then they only get there 10 times, uh, none in the first half. So, And I think Julian has made more free throws than anybody else on the team has attempted. I don't know if that stat's up to date, but that was as of a couple weeks ago. So they got to get that guy that can get to the foul line, which is Julian. they got to get that guy that can knock down shots with Sasanti, and they just got to get those guys doing what they do best. I think that's what they have to – emphasize going forward all right i know you're not a medical doctor but what's your what's your gut feel on 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 josiah in terms of how this thing is going to be managed here is he i mean do they have to really start thinking about you know kind of life i know they played without him but you get ready for conference schedule and the grind of conference play do do they have to really think about you know can be maybe he's not going to be available very much at all i mean it feels like you can't rely on him right now because they were overly precautious in October during the preseason. He basically didn't do anything for the entire month. He worked out on the side. He didn't do much practicing. He took it easy. And all that got them was the first three games of the season. Then it was back again for a couple games, four straight games. Then he was back in the lineup for a couple games. Now he's back out. So it feels like this is just going to be a, I don't think there's anything structurally wrong with the knee. I think it's just a sore knee that gives him pain. They had it scoped back in the spring in May, I believe. And he had three injections done in October, one a week for three straight weeks. And they've seemed overly cautious from the beginning, but it feels like that hasn't fixed anything. So it feels like from here, it's just going to be a game by game thing. And maybe if the knee feels good one week, you can get him for a couple of big games. And if he, if he does play, maybe it, it creeps back up and it's painful again. He has to sit out. But at this point, the fact that we don't have any answers, you don't really know what's going on. It feels like that's not going anywhere. And it's just going to be, uh, that game by game all season. All right. Last question. We're going to let you get out the door here and, and um, get back to everything going on. And, and we're going to, Austin's going to join me in a minute. What did you make of, of Rick Barnes's comments on Euros? Can, can that be channeled grant? How, how does, how do you think Euros, you know, takes that, 
open criticism. I mean, where's the line in, in calming him down, but also allowing him to remain aggressive? Because when he doesn't have that edge, as we saw early in his career, he's not a very effective player. So where's that line and how do they play that line? I mean, a certain amount of attitude can help. There was a Santiago Vescovi last year at Vanderbilt. He was getting beat up by Vanderbilt. I mean, they were fouling him hard. And at one point, Urosh basically went after Vanderbilt. He, he had Santi's back in that moment. He was ready to throw down if he had to. And that's great. You've got to have that kind of mentality that you're not afraid of anybody. You're going to go out there and get him. But you can't – I mean, even last year against Arizona, Benedict Matherin was the best player on the floor. He scored 28 points at Thompson Bowling Arena. Urosh was clapping in his face. I mean – you just can't do that. You, you can't act a fool. He One time he told Mike White the, uh, when he was at Florida to take a timeout because Tennessee was on such a run. Like, you can't act foolish to the point where you're going to hurt your team. It's great to have attitude. It's great to have edge. It's great to have all that stuff. But once you get that technical early in that kind of game on the road, uh, given how foul trouble hurt them, uh, especially the bigs last night, you just can't take it that far. It's great to have that edge, but you better not hurt your team with it. Yeah, certainly, and that was Rick Barnes's point. Obviously, we'll see where that goes from there. We'll see where Josiah is, and will Zakai Ziegler return to the starting lineup? I think that's the other question, Grant. Is he better coming off the bench, or with the way he played last night and kind of where you're at looking for offense, does he have to go into the starting lineup? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the big thing. When, he's, when he gives you 21, a career high like he did last night at Arizona, you have to think, how can I get him on the floor as much as possible? He's going to have to play 38, 39 minutes a night if they can't get more production out of key, if Santi's not getting shots. Uh, they just have to – if he's going to be their best player or their best offensive weapon at times, he's going to have to be on the floor. And if he can do that at the starting you know, point guard position, if he can reel it in a little bit and not be quite as sloppy as he was early in games – like he was against Colorado when he got benched, uh, that would be a big big benefit for this team moving forward because you want to get off to a fast start. Yep, no doubt. Grant, we appreciate your time. We'll see what this basketball team looks like. No, there's there's no pain in that loss other than you lost no. the game. There's, there's a lot more good in that last night th than bad because to me, my biggest takeaway is Tennessee's tough. They're going to be in every game. They've just got to find a few more offensive weapons and get a couple of guys going to become those offensive weapons they should be. Plenty of coverage from Grant. Plenty of coverage from Grant, Rob, plenty of coverage of Tennessee basketball. Grant, we appreciate it, my man. Have a good rest of your evening. And, uh, again, there will be plenty of things at VolQuest.com on this Tennessee basketball team. When we come back on the other side of this quick break here, uh, we're going to catch up here in a few minutes with Austin Price. Again, let's do this before we go there. Trey, I'm going to – I'm Trey's our producer. I'm going to throw a little curveball for you here. Uh, I want to jump back into um, – a couple of questions. Uh, Captain Andrew Crabtree wanted to know, pretty wild game that was uh, almost over at 1 a.m. Eastern time. Not sure if that affected Tennessee at all. I, I don't know that it affected. I think it's good that you play in those situations because you never know if, if you're going to be a team that gets shipped out west in tournament play. Um, you know, you, you got to know how to get yourself ready to play, whether it's early, late at night, or whatever it is. And Tennessee was ready to play. Look at how they played in the first half. They shot the ball well. Um, I think foul trouble got them. Um, I, I think Arizona got them because Arizona's good. Did the night game help the Arizona crowd a little bit more? It, it probably did. Uh, but I don't think it was a, a big reason why uh, that, that it had a great effect on anything like that uh, with this team. And, again, I think it was a positive experience because everything is about getting ready for March. Whatever you got to do to play in March, play your best in March and April. That, that's why you see teams and that's why you see Rick Barnes um, – that's why you see them schedule teams that press, like an Eastern Kentucky and a team that'll play zone. 
um, all the things that you might see later in the year to help you build and develop your basketball team. You want to play those types of games, and, and that includes playing on the West Coast. So, um, you know, I, I think, again, it's it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, I get it, Charles. We see that. You know, there's no moral victories. Nobody's talking about that. It's a basketball team. Nobody's going undefeated in basketball. Um, and, and so there's there's plenty to take away. Again, Tennessee's got to improve offensively. If they're going to win big games like that, they've got to do things better on the offensive end of the floor. But their defense is going to travel with them. Their defense is going to carry and give them a chance to be in every basketball game. So we'll see. The last question here before we take a break and get to Austin coming up on the other side here. Um, this is from Big Tennessee. Why don't Rick Barnes push the ball more in transition in order to create easier shots? I feel like we struggle in the half court. I think they want to run. I think they also need to rebound the basketball. And when you look at this team and you look at where they're rebounding, I mean, Zakai Ziegler had six points last, or six rebounds last night, tied for the team lead with Eurosh. Um, and so I, I think that they're sending so many guys to the boards um, and they send all five to the board. When they can get a loose ball and get an opportunity to run, they do. Um, they want to push it some in tempo, but it, it's hard to get out and run and be great in transition. A lot of teams are – are really good, um, you know, getting back and you know, getting back on defense. Uh, but again, when you're playing a team like Arizona, you got to be certain secure, secure the board. They had a hard time doing that last night. Arizona was good on the offensive glass, and, and Tennessee's always going to send more bodies to the glass. They're not going to leak a bunch of guys out um, to try to get bunnies and run out that way j- just because of the way that they play defense and um, you know the ability and need to, to 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 rebound the ball at all levels, not just under the goal, but at the free throw line and, uh, you know, wherever those long rebounds come from. So th- that's why they don't leak a bunch of guys out. They want to push when they can, um, but but it's a little bit different because of what they do rebounding because they got to make sure um, – you know, they got they got to make sure that they finish the possession with the basketball at the end. So, all right, now let's go ahead and get that break, Trey. We'll get that break done here, and uh, we'll get ready for Austin Price on the other side. Uh, go ahead and line up your questions here whether it's football, um, recruiting, whatever, lineup. We're going to take as many questions as we can. We'll talk about plenty of things surrounding Tennessee here on the back half of the show on the football side of things and uh, much more just with everything going on in Tennessee athletics. That's coming up on the other side here as you watch the Rocky Top Rewind. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back into the Rocky Top Rewind. And again, Merry Christmas to everybody. Just a reminder, no show next week because it's obviously Christmas Day night. 
Uh, we will do a show following the following week to wrap up all the bowl things uh, coming up um, after Tennessee's Orange Bowl game on the 30th. So we will do a show on uh, New Year's Day that night, and uh, we look forward to joining us back there. Speaking of happy holidays, there is the the happy Christmas man himself, Austin Price, who's at uh, – what are you at now, Austin? 45 days with your Christmas tree up, something like that? Are, are, we, in, are we in that window yet? You know, it, it, this year it might have been a little less. Um, last year it was the Alabama game. These trees went up. And uh, so, again, you know, I was down in the old city last night for Kane's wedding, and they have these awesome light posts that are decorated like candy – that are lit up at nighttime like candy canes. And I remarked then, I'm like, you know, that's a lot of work for just a handful of days. So that's kind of my point with my tree. Like, we got all this decoration stuff. If we're putting it up – it's cool. We're going to get our money's worth and not, not, not rush through it and tear it, tear it right back down. So absolutely. Absolutely. Same thing in recruiting too. We'll make this awkward transition from, from, (laughs) excuse me, from, I got myself choked up. I'm so excited about something. that's going to be a big dud Uh, from Christmas trees to recruiting. You put a lot of work into Austin, getting to the finish line here. So when you have an opportunity to bring guys in and take a little pressure off of you in the last week of recruiting, you obviously take advantage of that opportunity. Tennessee has 15 midterm enrollees in uh, here. Uh, what do you think that – I mean, we, we heard Josh Heupel talk about this on Saturday. You know, they learned some things and this. Well, what is the big benefit? Do you think there's a huge benefit for the kid, for the for the – I know what it is for the coaches, but what's the benefit, you think, and how big of a benefit is it for the kid to be here for a week and a half? Was it a big – well – Or a week. Was it a benefit last year for, you know, Jordan Phillips and and Tyree West and those guys? I go maybe fractions. Now rule change, kids get to go and practice at the bowl site, which means they're going to get double digit practices in before it's all said and done. I think that's a massive deal, and here's why. Okay. But right now they're like that newborn colt that's trying to learn how to walk, and they're kind of gangly, and their their legs are every which way. But that's better than the newborn colt in March when spring practice gets here. All of a sudden now it's like, I've been through 10 practices. I know how we practice. Let's go. And so I think that, whereas like Tyree West and Phillips and those guys that were here last year, they went through like three practices. I don't think they learned enough to truly grasp it because retention. I think that they'll, they'll, they'll do enough being able to go to the bowl site, being able to be a part of the team activities, being able to, be around everybody that when March gets here, retention is greater and they are able to really hit the ground running with what I would call it almost is like getting fall camp in the spring, because instead of spring camp kind of trying to figure things out and then being comfortable for fall, you're going to be comfortable in spring or more comfortable in spring. And then when fall gets here, you ought to be really, you know, really running. Yeah, I mean, I, I I agree with with the extra week certainly does help. I wonder how much it helps you too, and helps the coaches too in February. You know, they they get that time now where they can kind of get on the blackboard with guys and and talk to guys. And I wonder, Austin, if because those guys go through two weeks of it sort of physically, when you start talking about it on a board with them and start going through some of that stuff with them before spring practice starts, if, if you know, it doesn't feel like it's completely Greek because physically you felt some of that stuff that, that coaches are talking about. So um, everybody's trying to take full advantage of it. Tennessee's taking 
as full advantage of it as they can. Not every school out there is taking all their kids and their midterm enrollees to bowl games. Now, I understand playoff teams not doing that, but there's some teams going and not taking their midterm guys. They're letting them come to campuses to practice, but they're not necessarily taking them to the, to the bowl game. Does that surprise you that not everybody has taken full advantage of this rule if you're not a playoff team? Yeah, because I think you're missing out. Again, if you get five practices in at your bowl site, like I know with like, you know, Arian Carter was told by, you know, obviously Tennessee's here now, but like he was told by Alabama, hey, we want you to come to bowl practice. We want you to go to the Sugar Bowl and do bowl practice on site in New Orleans. Um, the schools that are not doing that to me are really missing a real golden opportunity to, again, speed up the growth and the acceleration for some of these kids. Um, you know, I mean, not every kid's going to be able to play as a freshman, but if you think that a Jordan Matthews um, or, you know, let's say Nico, you know, Arion Carter, um, any of those guys can can help you as a freshman on the field. I don't mean special teams. I know that's on the field, but I mean like like on offense or defense. I think being able to accelerate their growth by basically getting getting an extra spring practice before spring practice, I, I think that's that's massive. And you know, I, I think that you know the players that are benefiting from this will pay dividends. I'm interested to see how you know some of this plays out. Now, I'm gonna put the you know to to flip it the other side, play devil's advocate. Dylan Sampson, Josh Josephs, two guys that you know, played as much as anybody this year that were freshmen, didn't get here till the summertime. So, right. you know, um, I, I still think it's big. I don't think it's a must. And, and you know, like David Hobbs, Cam Selden, those are two players that will be midterm enrollees that, you know, will not go through bowl practice because uh, I don't know why Selden's not, but David Hobbs, I mean, he just wanted to be a high school kid for a couple more weeks to play high school basketball with his buddies. You know, I mean, he's one of the – I don't ever remember seeing this happen where a kid decided to be a midterm enrollee but said, hey, I'm going to go and play seven games of high school basketball in November and December just because I love the game and I love playing with my buddies. Even though I'm, I'm leaving them at, at winter break, I just want to go do that. And, um, you know, I, I respect it. I mean, I think it's great. I mean, you, don't, you only get to be a kid once. It's why I always, you know, you know kids that, that aren't early enrollees, I mean, I understand. I mean, you, you look forward to your senior year. You get to that point. I understand both sides of the spectrum. Yeah, it's interesting that, that his basketball coach would let him do that because, I mean, why do you want to get comfortable with a guy for seven games or ten games or whatever? <laughs> yeah. and then, then he's going to leave before you really get into His dad's the, the principal, Hubs. But what's the basketball coach going to do? Yep, that's a good point. I forgot about that. that that's a really good really good point there. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit about the midterm enrollees from a, from a physicality standpoint. You've seen Nico more than anybody. Yeah. I don't think you were surprised by anything you saw with him on the practice field on Saturday. What was your takeaway from him, and and what was your takeaway from just seeing uh, the fifteen in midterm enrollees overall, just from an athletic standpoint? Okay, let's let let's easy now. Nobody's putting anybody to start and lineup, and I know you're not, but just just the first viewing of those guys, what stood out to you? Well, I you know that Nico is a really good teammate. I, I see it. I see it all the time and, and you know, everybody kind of like pigeonholes the kid because, you know, NIL and, you know, there's all this hype around him and all this stuff and he wears pajama pants and all that. But that's just like, that's just his style. Like, I mean, he's a genuinely good kid who really thinks about his teammates first. I mean, I, going through the line the other day, 
Like he went to step in and was like, wait, it's not my turn. Navy Shuler. Come here, Navy. You're in front of me. I'm last. Like thinking about things like that. And it was him. Navy didn't say, Hey, wait a minute. You're hopping line. Like he thought, wait, this is not my spot. Navy, this is your spot. You go, then I'll go last. And, you know, I, I just think that, you know, he's going to be a way, I think he's going to be way more chill than everybody. Everybody, I think everybody's just kind of late, you know, got him, you know, he's got an entourage and all this stuff. And like, I don't think that's the case at all. I think, you know, he's got a big family and they, <laughs> they're active on social media. And, you know, Nico, I think is the consummate uh, teammate. Uh, he was in high school. He thinks about others. He's a real leader. And I think that's going to prove out to be the case uh, at Tennessee. Physically, he's everything you want. Here's my thing. And I said this on The Nation tonight. What we don't know and what we won't know until the live bullets fly is where he's at up here. Like, Jerry Garantano had every physical attribute to throw the football that you could want. And that's why he's on an NFL roster and played second string for the Broncos today, because he still has every physical attribute. You know, but like, you know, development-wise, he was hampered by the fact that they just – were a struggle bus on offense and he took massive hits and got in over his head. And then, you know, it is what it is. Either way, if Nico is good up here, I think the sky's the limit. Cause I think physically he's got everything you want. Flip it to the defensive side. Jordan Matthews looks the part. Arion Carter looks the part. Caleb Herring will be the part. He just has to put on weight. Like if they're not just force feeding him uh, steak IVs as Rodney Garner would say, and peanut butter milkshakes, He's got the frame to throw on 30 pounds in a blink and still be a, a just a dynamite guy off the edge. And yeah, so, you know, the, the interesting thing about him, and I'm, I'm with you 100%, I, I gave him a hard time, you know, because I've known that kid, like you, I've known that kid for a while. I, I mean, I've seen him at his high school. I've seen him, you know, at camp and, and on unofficial visits and everything. I think he's actually put on a little weight in the last month or so. I thought he looked in pads. I thought he looked bigger than what we had seen him look when he was at visits unofficially. I, I bet he's pushing 208, 210 pounds um, in, in terms of where he is weight wise. I may be wrong, but I bet he's in that ballpark, which there was one point I saw him early in the fall. Austin, I wasn't sure if he weighed 195 pounds the way he looked. It looks like to me, he's added a little bit of weight. I may be wrong, but he was, he surprised me with kind of where he was day one in terms of his look. I maintain the worst thing that happened to him was Elijah graduating and coming up here. Like those two are super tight. And I think, you know, for, for Caleb, he needed Elijah again. I think he's going to be locked in. I'm not saying he's going to play a ton as a freshman. Tennessee's got guys ahead of him. What I'm saying though is, is I think his growth will be, quicker than people realize because I think Elijah will be there to kind of push him, hold him accountable. He looks up to Elijah and having him back every day in his ear, helping him, showing him the ropes will be something that no one ever talks about, but will be massive for Caleb here. And so for me, that's kind of where I'm at on Caleb. You know, I, I like what Ricky Gibson brings. Um, I think Sham Umarov is a guy that, you know, over time will be just, Oh, way better than people realize, um, you know, and I think Bison Lane could be too. I just think Bison Lane's a guard. I mean, yes. I think he's a guard and, yeah. you know, but I think, you know, how athletic is he? Um, 
you know, I, that's something we didn't get to see a lot. Of course, we were just out there for just a blink. And and so much of the, you know, we get out there and like, who does everybody don't see Nico? We could have literally just show Nico the whole time and never show Jordan Matthews or anybody else. And and the fans would have been happy. But like, you know, I think it's important to see Arion Carter, even though he was out there in sweats, but he was over there doing stuff. I mean, he's as pretty a linebacker as they've got on this team that are three and four years into a college weight program, you know, and, and so, you know, another one that stood out to me, Jeremiah T. Lander. Um, I, I was shocked how big he was. You know, and I met the kid without pads on. Shocked how big he was in pads and just how twitchy he was. He was way twitchier than I thought. Um, so, you know, again, they've they've done a nice job, obviously, with Nico. And, and, I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I love Nathan Laycock, a receiver. But where they've done a really nice job, the three linebackers, the three corners, Herring, Bradley, Tyree Weathersby, that's the one. That's the one I think that, that could come in in, in summertime and, and surprise some people and maybe get on the field next fall. I like Tyree Weathersby a lot. I think that's a home run for Tennessee if they can get him to the finish line Wednesday. And there's no reason that I, mean, I don't mean to panic everybody. Right, I mean, right. Until the kids that went to practice, you don't have to worry about them. You know, I mean, right. technically they could all leave if they want to, but they're – you know, the, that would be their one-time transfer. I mean, Weathersby, I think, is, um, you know, really, really good. And I think when you looked at the senior tape, when Tennessee saw the senior tape, they were like, whoa. And this is a kid that was on a winless football team. They went 0-10. Wow. But he was, he was really, really good. And uh, I know he was excited about Rodney Garner. Yeah, says a lot about him on an 0-10 team being really good and continuing to show up every day. It says a lot about his competitive character, which I know coaches are always looking for in their recruiting evaluations of guys, not just their their physical traits. You mentioned nothing's done with those guys who are not here until they get to Wednesday. Obviously, Tennessee with the decommitment from Sylvester Smith. I, I don't think that you were shocked. I mean, you, you've told everybody for a month, if Auburn pushed hard, that was going to get really dicey. They pushed here at the end. I think the timing of it being this late maybe is a bit of a surprise to you, right? But but the fact that that he's ended up at Auburn is not the is not the stunner of all stunners, right? Yeah, and if you're not a member of Volquest, if if you want a reason why you should be, like anybody that's on Volquest has known that Sylvester Smith was, you know, they call it a flight risk, uh, a flight risk for you know six to eight weeks. I mean, I, yeah, I mean he was. If they hired anybody competent at Auburn, which they were going to, I mean, like they weren't going to, they, they took their flyer um, going to Boise State with Harson. They were not going to take a flyer this time. And, you know, w- once they hired Hugh Freeze, Sylvester Smith took a three and a half hour visit yesterday and and flipped it to, to, to Auburn. Like he wasn't there overnight. He didn't go with his family. He went with his girlfriend. He didn't even stay all day. And, quickly put out this janky decommitment thing with like where it's blacked out. Like I was like, what is this? Like just fix the graphic and then tweet it out. Like nobody's sitting around thinking, we gotta get this out. It's breaking news. Um, you know, but uh just you know, no one's surprised by this. Um Tennessee's not surprised by this. Um, you know, they 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 wanted Sylvester Smith. He had a really good senior year, but at the same time they always knew this was a possibility until they got to Wednesday. Now, Tennessee and I, which are two separate entities, I think are surprised that it got to this point. Like, I thought once he went to the Alabama-Mississippi game, he had all those nice quotes to uh, the Auburn reporter, no less, who fired over the audio to us, and we wrote it. Um, 
you know, that, that he was locked in with Tennessee and all this stuff. I think that's the surprising part of all this, that, like, it got all the way until Saturday of the last weekend, and he, you know, told the Tennessee staff he was going hunting. Yeah, he went hunting for a new team. <laughs> is is that why is that why Tennessee never got Tyler Scott in? Did they think they you think they thought they had weathered the storm, Austin? And, yeah, and, I think they thought they would weathered of, the storm. I mean, they went and visited Tyler Scott really recently. Um, and again, maybe they take a swing there before Wednesday you know, and, and see what happens. Um, but at the same time, if you're Tyler Scott, you know, you're probably going, wait a minute, you didn't really want me until you lost this guy. But, you know, I mean, you know, he went to Texas this past weekend. Um, Auburn is heavily in play there. Like, I, I think that's pretty accurate. Where the RPM machine is, I don't know if it's 66-27, but I do think the top two teams for him are Auburn and Tennessee. You know, and, and I, right now I would probably give Auburn the slight edge. Um, but I think there's a chance there. There's an avenue for Tennessee. Going even without an and, even without an official visit, Austin? Yes, because he didn't – I don't think he visited Auburn, unless I'm okay. wrong. Um, I don't know if Trey can pull up visits on this. Um, uh, but, like, I, I don't think he visited Auburn either. Like, I think that, you know, he visited Alabama. Um. They took an official visit to Auburn. Nine seventeen or no, ten twenty eight. Yeah, and, October twenty eighth. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so but that was with the old staff, though. That's true. It's a good point. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, so I mean, ultimately, like, you know, I think Tennessee's got a pathway there, potentially going into Wednesday, um, and you know, you know, he can play kind of all over the secondary. He can play nickel, play safety, can maybe even play some corner. He's a taller player. Um, I, again, I think that I wouldn't close the door on it. That's all I'm saying. I, I, you know, I still lean to him not being a part of this class, but like I, I think that the door's at least cracked a little bit there for maybe Tennessee to, you know, pick his brain and see if it makes more sense than going to Auburn. What do you think Tennessee is with the two offensive line transfers that that visited here back to back? You know, that's a great question. The hard part about transfers is they don't like talking, and they don't have to. They've been through the recruiting – and in some instances, they've been through the recruiting process before. Um, in some instances, not. Uh, Johnny, uh, the kid from Rhode Island, he really hasn't – he talks a little bit more than, like, uh, your boy Andre Carriage did um, from Texas, who, you know – Didn't want any part of a conversation. Didn't was, want any part of a conversation. Wasn't rude, but was just like, hey, this is my deal. I'm, I'll let you know whenever I'm done. I've, I've done something. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to talk about it all. Didn't even want to tell you where he's been. Right. <laughs> or where he was going, you know. You know, and so, um, you know, it's just hard to get a real beat on transfers. It really is. So, like, I honestly, the, the, best, the best answer I can give you is I don't know. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I think a Johnny, the kid we're looking at right here, is more of your prototypical tackle than Andre is. Andre is not your prototypical tackle as far as height. And so, you know, if I'm Tennessee, if I can get one of the two, you're looking at the guy right now, if I can get one of those two. Yeah. Um, I, I think that there's also a pathway for John Campbell, who is in the portal for Miami, offensive tackle. Um he and Joe Milton, I believe, know each other from high school. And uh, I think I think um, John went to Dr. Phillips. Either way, he went somewhere down right there around Orlando. 
And so um, I, I think he and Joe know each other from high school. And so I think that's a possibility to go to Dr. Phillips. Yep. You have to go to his. That what it says. Gotcha. Um, yeah, Dr. Phelps, there we go. Um, you know, you don't realize how blind you are until you get to see the small screen there. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that's a possibility. I think he's got two years left. I don't think he's a one-for-one one, um, like, you know, McCallan Castle, um, the, the tight end from UC Davis, like Charles Campbell, who are both here. They both got here, and they will go through practice here uh, for the rest of bowl practice. And um, – and, and then, you know, obviously travel with the team down to the Orange Bowl and go through practice down there. Now, that's another area where those two kids, those two kids benefit from this these bowl practices more than anybody because they've been in a college program. They understand what it is to work. And now they're on an accelerated path, learning the offense, learning, you know, practice. Now, the only thing about McCallum Castles, Tennessee doesn't have a tight ends coach right now. So you're not getting coached by the guy you'll get coached by down the road. But – um, I think it's big to have both those kids going through practice uh, the rest of this week and then into next week. Pretty fascinating the world we live in in the transfer portal. You can play a college football season somewhere, change teams in December, and go get a bowl game in the, in the warm sunshine if you want to. Uh, somewhere there, it's it's a, it's a crazy it's a crazy life that we live in the transfer portal world for sure. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back and wrap it up here on the other side. More on the midterm enrollees, more on this team. And their bowl preparations. We'll talk about Jalen McCullough's announcement. He's back as a safety. There's been a couple of questions about that. We'll also take your questions. So line them up here and fire them off about whatever you wish to discuss in the world of football and the world of recruiting. Uh, that's coming up here uh, on the Rocky Top Rewind. All right, welcome back into the final segment here of the Rocky Top Rewind. I am Brent Hubbs. If you're looking for Eric Kane, we have given him a few hours off following his nuptials. He'll be back to work here in a couple of days and uh, get ready uh, for bowl practice. Uh, cover some bowl practice here in Knoxville. Limited uh, limited amount of um, interaction on this bowl practice before Tennessee breaks for Christmas. And then we'll get down to uh, Miami and, and cover the balls down there as well. The man there on the screen is Austin Price. He's got all the information and news that you want in recruiting as we talk about the Vols, whether it's the current team uh, or it is about the future with recruiting out there as well. We got uh, Austin A's lined up a couple of questions here. Austin Price, RJ Perry, William Parker, Ollie Lane, Messiah Reddick, Addison Nichols. Any of those guys going to be a factor next year on the offensive line? Oh, it's hard to see Perry or Parker. Uh, I think Ollie Lane could be one of your guards, maybe. I think Marcia Reddick could be one of your guards. I think Addison Nichols it could be one of your guards. If I'm Tennessee, I'm wanting Addison Nichols to really take this bolt prep serious. Use this as a springboard towards spring. Um, but really, Lane, Reddick, Nichols, all possibilities. Uh, Perry and Parker, I just, just never hear anybody talk about them. Are you a little surprised that that between Perry and Parker, neither one of them have done anything portal wise? I mean, if somebody would have asked me, I would have put them on portal watch. Um, with uh, they are RJ Perry, comment. yes. Um, you know, uh, William Parker, maybe not. I mean, he's a Nashville kid. I mean, how can is he is he happy with college life? Uh, you know, how important is football to him? You know, and, and it may be super important. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying, like, you know, when you have an in state kid. Some of them are a little more content to 
kind of play the long game, so to speak. Um, you know, Ollie Lane's a perfect example of that. I mean, before last year, I think most people would have thought he would be a perfect candidate to go um, and, and, and you know, you know, make a move and go somewhere else and try to play. But then all of a sudden he got on the field. So who's to say that's, you know, that, that William Parker doesn't see that as, you know, as an opportunity. Again, I, I don't hear much about Perry or Parker, but like, you know, I think Parker's good for your team. You know, he, he, I think he does well in the classroom, smart kid, great kid. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't, no, we don't talk to him. So like, I don't know right. what he's thinking. Is he, is he, is he thinking, okay, I've got a next year's my year or at that point I'll look, you know, you know, what, what, what do some of these kids think? You know, not every kid, that's not playing has someone in their ear saying, you got to go, you got to go, you got to go. You know, some, some parents are very happy with where their kid is. If, if some mamas look around and go, you know, my baby's happy and I, I want him to play, but he's happy. And if he's happy, I'm happy. And you know, that that's all that matters to them. And they're getting an education and you know, they're not too far from home. Again, I, that may not be his, his situation, but it is for some. All right, let's talk. Uh, let's look at Brad's question here. Hope Tennessee can get the Oregon wide receiver in the transfer portal. Where do you think the Vols are there? I think Tennessee's in a solid spot. He's going to take uh, a visit in January, in my opinion. And um, Dante Thornton is who we're talking about. And, you know, Tennessee's going to look at him. We'll look at Ra Ra Thomas. I, both those guys have indicated they will visit in January. I talked to Thornton specifically. He said that, you know, he's really intrigued by Tennessee best offense in the country, wide receivers delight, the way they throw it around and and, and the way they get the guys wide open. He's been very cognizant of the year that Brew McCoy's had as a transfer and the year that Jalen Hyde had winning the Blitnikoff board. So um, I think that's a real possibility um, for Tennessee. Now, again, ain't going to be easy. You have several other teams like Penn State and others trying to get him. He's from up around Baltimore, um, but he's certainly someone that Tennessee's targeted and and – you know, Dante has targeted Tennessee and, and has told me he will visit in early January. All right, we got a handful of secondary questions here. I'm going to try to do a do a mix mash here and sort of mash them all together. All right, so Trey, don't worry about putting the screen up because I'm going to I'm going to kind of tweak all this stuff together. Big Tennessee wants to know how does Tennessee fix their secondary problems this off season? Thinks athleticism is a month must. Austin A wants to know. Can D. Williams start at DB next fall? He was getting some rave reviews in fall camp. Could he be a DB starting DB for Tennessee next year? And your reaction to Jalen McCullough announcing that he's coming back, and is that a good thing for Tennessee? Those three, I'm just going to kind of mash them all together there for you, Austin Price, to talk just about secondary in general with these guys. Well, they do got to get more athletic, and and, and he's right. And, and you know, Jalen McCullough's got to quit giving up so many – Four angles. If he's going to keep playing for Tennessee, he's got to take better angles. Um, I think he's got another have another strong offseason to improve his speed. Um, you know, I, ultimately, I think Tennessee's got to find a way to get just more athletic in the back end. I think there are players there that can do that, Brent. Um, you know, I, I think that you know these three true freshmen are going to help push. I think you know Brandon Turnage started to find himself later in the year, and and I think can help this team. I don't know where Kamal Haddon will be, you know, with this team next year. Um, you know, I think you look at Wesley Walker. I think he's got a great shot to start at the other safety spot. And then what do they do with Jalen? I mean, you know, again, 
know, I think Jalen's a great kid, but, you know, Tennessee's got to get more athletic in the back end. And so we'll see what, what they do there. Again, Jalen improved his athleticism from last year to this year. I think he's got to have another jump this offseason. But again, yeah, and, go ahead. No, I'm, just, I'm, I'm agreeing with you 100%. He, he's got to play with better angles. Like, like he's got to compensate for, for whatever lack of athleticism or speed that, that maybe he doesn't have back there. He, he's got to play at better angles. There were too many times that he got caught flat-footed and, and missed yep. an angle, missed a tackle because of that. And that's something he has to improve upon moving for next year. I think, I think what they do at safety is going to be really interesting to see and really interesting to watch. And I think part of that, Austin, is going to depend on um, how some of those freshman corners do. Because if you find if you find some help there, how much are you moving the Christian Harrisons, the Christian Charles? What do you do with the Nico Slaughter? I mean, all those things can become more moving parts if you've got help from the corner position for some newcomers. And if you can trust them, and, and if you got the the, the – you know, the willingness to put a freshman out there and, and know that there's going to be some growing pains. I absolutely agree with you. Um, you know, my wife's telling me to get off my phone, by the way. Kevin, I'm only posting on BallQuest. I'm going to update yeah. the general's quarters. I'm updating the general's quarters on these names. I'm dropping them in here, and I haven't even put them on the general's quarters. Um, you know, I think that Christian Charles is the one name I would say is most likely to move back to safety. You know, um, especially if Tennessee feels really good about, you know, where they're at with Jordan Matthews. And then what do they – I think the, if, if you're saying, hey, what are, are they going to add anybody out of the portal? I think they're most likely to add a transfer corner than they are a transfer safety. So, you know, that that's kind of where I'm at with, with a lot of this. I, I think that the guy we're looking at here, Christian Charles, most likely to move back to safety. That's where he was a year ago at this time and then kind of got that start at Missouri and then got hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then, and then never, never played the rest of the year. So, um, uh, and then they moved him to corner in spring cause they were so depleted. Um, that's that, I think that's the really interesting thing is every year hype's been here. It was a linebacker two springs ago this past spring, it was corner. Like what, what is going to be the depleted, you know, position. position. You know, I think it most likely could be tailback because I think Jabari Small is going to have some cleanup. I think Jalen Wright may have to have some cleanup. All of a sudden, you know, it's going to be Dylan Sampson's world and then Cam Selden. I mean, like, and then we'll see if the Tennessee, you know, goes and, and goes into the, you know, the route of trying to find uh, a transfer tailback. I think that's possible. You know, I think Tennessee, again, will, you know, will likely, you know, look to host, um, you know, the young man from South Carolina that went in the portal, um, you know, Marshawn Lloyd the other day, um, they went and visited him. I think he's a possibility to go in the portal or not to go in the portal. He's in the portal to, uh, to, to visit Tennessee in early January as well. So, you know, I think ultimately though, to get back to the secondary, you know, they've got to figure out, you know, who they can count on. And then I think they've just got to push some guys to develop. I mean, you know, sometimes I think it's just like, you know, well, you know, this player, knows where to be. But if he takes bad angles and he gives up big plays, it doesn't matter if he knows where to be. You know? Yeah. Uh, Austin, to answer your question about D Williams, not having a legitimate shot at corner or nickel, not saying that he's got to fundamentally play the position better and, and he's got yeah. to be not overwhelmed in the game. I think when they put him in, um, I guess in the Florida game at corner, I, I don't think he responded particularly well in terms of understanding coverages and, and kind of, 
you know, all working together with the safety and everything that was coming up there. And so, you know, I think spring could be very important for him. He's a good athlete that needs to, needs to help you somewhere besides just punt return. I think he's your kickoff return guy. And Hey, if you can't get him on the field on defense, I think he could be a toy for you potentially on offense. There you That's go. He me. sure is pretty for returning punts. That's he all sure I mean. is. He sure is. Wayne, to your point on Jordan Thomas, that one intrigues me. I, I think that is a guy because he has done so yeah. well on special teams. I think he's more athletic than Tamarian McDonald. We saw how McDonald transitioned into this defense. Um, I think this is a big spring for him. I really do. I I think that's a guy that's better than I thought he would be and maybe a little better than they thought he would be over there. Is he the safety version of Jalen Reeves Maven, who made his hay on special teams, and then next thing you know, he is a, uh, you know, uh, just a real force at linebacker. Can he be that at safety? I think it's possible. Yeah. I, I think that, that it's certainly possible as well. Vols, uh, go Vols deep, four two three. How did the wide receiver visits go this weekend? They didn't have any receivers in this weekend. Um, Ra-Ra Thomas did not make it in. Uh, that's going to be a January visit. And same for Thornton from Oregon, as uh, Austin was talking about earlier, if, you, if you're just joining us here. Last two were out the door, Austin, or last one were out the door. Um, Jaw Jacken, I think is the name here. Uh, does Taven Jackson have what it takes to be successful in this offense? And Jeremy Banks was critical to the defense. Who replaces Jeremy Banks next year? Well, uh, that's a great question. Uh, I just, I mean, I hate doing this. I just, it's hard. To, if Joe's going to be the guy and Nico's who you think he is, it's just hard for me to see Taven, you know, hanging around. Kids just don't hang around. What's happened at Georgia with like three five-star quarterbacks sitting behind the former walk-on Stetson Bennett just doesn't happen. And so it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. I, I, I'll be interested to see what Taven does. He's going to watch Nico go through bowl practice, you know, and does he stick around for spring? And then at spring, where does he feel like he's at? You know, does he feel like he's got a legit shot or not? And at that point, you know, to me that determines what Tennessee does, you know, potentially going to the portal for a QB. And then it's kind of like what kind of QB can you get that's willing to just come in and back up, you know, and, and know you're not going to play. Um, so, like, I, again, I, I think Taven's got a lot of talent. Um, you know, where does he go if he, if he leaves? I don't know. If he stays, you know, what happens? Again, I, I think time will tell. And then what was his second question? Uh, who replaces Jeremy Banks defensively next year? That's a great question. And, and and you know, right now I don't think anybody knows because, you know, you know what does Tennessee do? I mean, I'm, I would say it's, you know, 50-50 at best. Uh, that Juju Mitchell is back on this football team next year. Jeremy Banks will be off to the NFL. And I think Juju probably ends up going on and trying his uh, efforts at the NFL after the bowl game. We'll see. Um, you know, and then you've got Aaron Beasley and a bunch of young kids. And so does Tennessee look to go to the portal? You know, what do they do there? Um, you know, and then you know, where do they feel like Elijah Herring's at, Caleb Perry? What do they think about Arian Carter or T. Lander, Jalen Smith? Um, I, I think that's some shoes they're going to have to figure out how to fill them. Yeah, no doubt, and and I think that's part of the, the the importance of this bowl prep for for Tennessee from a coaching standpoint to evaluate some of those positions yeah. and figure out do we need a veteran guy to come in and help there, or are we good, you know, with, with where we're at with some of these young guys and 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 moving forward with them. So this is a critical two weeks from an evaluation standpoint as well 
as getting ready to take on Clemson. All right, that's going to do it. We've run out of time here. We've tried to answer all the questions that we can answer. Thanks to Grant Ramey for joining us to talk a little Tennessee basketball. Thanks to Austin Price for catching you up on all things Tennessee recruiting, as well as discussion about where this football team is. As again, they run uh, or they return to the practice field on Monday uh, to jump into game prep for the Clemson Tigers on January or December the 30th. All right, Eric Kane's back in the seat in two weeks when the show returns in two weeks. We're off next week for Christmas. Thanks for joining us tonight. Have a great Christmas and a great week, everybody. For Austin Price, I'm Brent Hobbs. This has been the Rocky Top Rewind. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.